Hello, welcome to Mortality and Tea. I'm your host, Amy. This is a show where we talk about mortality and our own death in the hopes that we can find a more rich and juicy life. Today, I'm honored to have my friend, Nate Johnson, on the show. Nate Johnson was born and raised in Germantown, Ohio. He is one of a small family, his father, his mother, his brother, who is three years his junior. Germantown is a small town, so he had a small town upbringing. He was a Boy Scout and earned his eagle. He also played football and did theater. After high school, he joined the Navy and was trained as a nuclear reactor operator. He volunteered for submarines, and that was probably the best decision he made while he was in. After six years, though, he had had enough of ridiculous operation schedules and very little downtime, so he got out. He moved back to Germantown to help his father take care of his mother, who um, had multiple sclerosis. Um, and then he moved to Columbus, Ohio, and shared an apartment with a very good friend who was also recently out of the Navy. While he was in Columbus, he turned his lifelong passion for computer repair into a vocation. After about a year in Columbus, he moved to Pennsylvania and was there for 13 years. He says, 13 years is a decent chunk of time and a lot happened in Altoona. It's quite a list, but nothing that other people haven't done. New jobs, weddings, births, graduations, funerals, ceremonies, championships and commiserations, friends and enemies. All good stories have an end, though, and a divorce was the end of that chapter for me. I moved back to Miami Valley when I had fulfilled all of my obligations in Pennsylvania and at my employer's insistence, continued my job in Altoona via remote management and quarterly visit. These days, Nate has been remarried and he says he's honestly happier than he's ever been. He has no regrets and complaints and loves his friends and the life that he and Kate, his wife, have built together. Thank you for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Um, this was a conversation where we discussed Nate's own death experience, where he values peace. He values sharing how much he loves with everyone on a, in the moment. Um, a quote that I pulled from, from this conversation, which I really love, and this is a, a quote from Nate. So what, this is, this is a question he asks himself. What do I want the world to look like when I'm not in it anymore? What do I want the world to look like when I'm not in it anymore? Pretty powerful question. Enjoy the conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Mortality and Tea with Amy. Hi, Nate. How are you? Hi. Welcome to the show, Mortality and Tea. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Yeah. It's uh, a little warm out, but the air conditioning is working for now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice summer day here on uh, COVID 19 lockdown. Nice <laughs> <laughs> summer day, COVID 19 lockdown. I, 
I don't like going outside during this type of weather much anyway. So it's yeah. not a huge problem. Well, as we're getting started, do you have your cup of of tea or or beverage of choice? I have my caffeinated beverage. Absolutely. Here, cheers. <laughs> well, what you what do you have on there? Oh, that is uh that's all the valence shells of a uranium two thirty eight atom. Or I'm sorry, uranium two thirty five. Uranium-238 is. is depleted uranium. Uranium-235 is the fissile uh, isotope. So that's the one that actually makes nuclear power work. Uh, okay. I saw these on one of the Facebook groups I was in. They were selling them. Had to get it. Yes. Yes. So is Polar change, knowledge... too. It's normally just a black mug. <laughs> <laughs> so is that like your knowledge, does that derive from your time of being on the submarines or is that just Absolutely. something of interest? Okay. Yep. Yep. That was a reactor operator thing. Um, yeah. U-235, uh, splitting uranium-235 atoms is what made the boat go. So it's, uh, it was, it was my wheelhouse. That's it. Can that feel intense? <laughs> It's more boring than it does, honestly. Okay. Uh, okay. The scary part, uh, I, I, there's moments, there's moments certainly where uh, where you're a little worried about what you're maybe messing up on the reactor, but you've got a lot of backup when it comes to that thing. Uh, there's never one guy making all the decisions. Everybody tries to back each other up and everybody knows each other's job pretty well. Mm -hmm. So you, uh, I mean, you, you mess up. That's mm -hmm. part of the process, but uh, you tr they try and minimize that pretty well. There's really good under instruction uh, uh, training programs in place. Okay. So, yeah, they try not to let you mess up too bad. Yeah. But it, that uh, that big screw up is always there if you decide to not follow the procedure. Oh, okay. The potential for that is always there. But there's also a lot of safety measures uh, built into the reactor itself. It'll protect itself in a lot of cases. You have to really do something pretty stupid to cause huge problems. The submarine was da more dangerous than the reactor, for certain. Okay. The, that environment uh, underwater is very similar to space in that uh, the environment itself is trying to kill you actively. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is it's, intense. It, yeah. And again, it becomes routine, like anything dangerous. Uh, if you do it enough, you forget that it's dangerous and mm. uh, you get bored. And <laughs> yeah. It's really been funny here on lockdown. It's kind of like being underway. Um, hours can crawl. Uh, days, you think some days are never going to end. And then you blink your eyes and it's three months later. <laughs> yes. That's how a deployment works. It's just, okay. yeah, hours drag and months fly. Now, you spent six years in the military. I did. Yep, six oh. years in the Navy. In the two Navy. Years, two years in school and then four years assigned to a submarine, the USS Providence. Wow. Thank you for your service. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let, let's dive right into this conversation. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right. So tell me, Nate, what is your first memory or first experience that you have of death? So the first thing I remember as far as um, like actually 
and I'm not going to count like like pets, like goldfish. That's that's understanding death. But my first experience with death was uh, when my mother's best friend. This was really one of her inner circle people. Um, she had she had cancer, and uh, she was in and out of the hospital for a while. And she uh, when she passed, I remember very distinctly the exact words that my mother said to me. Uh, they were very out of character for her. She called me Tiger, which was not my nickname that she used for me. And uh, uh, she kind of broke down right there in front of me. And I realized, oh, this is this is a really serious thing. This is mm. this is big. Now I'm guessing uh, I'm guessing I was maybe seven or eight years old at the time. But I, I still remember that fairly vividly. I know exactly in my childhood house exactly where it was. Yeah, like to see mom, to see mom come apart like that was uh, was definitely left an impression. Right. And interestingly enough, she passed away in that room. Really? Yeah, I just realized that. That's that's the room that she passed away in. We had uh, converted it. Well, dad converted it. I I didn't really do much of that. I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, but dad had converted that to a, a space for her hospital bed and you know her her her, her uh, chamber pot basically. Right. Because and, uh, yeah, your mother passed away from MS, correct? Yeah, she had multiple sclerosis for about twenty years. Okay. She was diagnosed my freshman year of high school and uh it, she'd been having problems before that they really tried to keep it from my brother and i um they knew something was wrong she was going in for a bunch of mris and cat scans and whatnot and you figure in the late 80s early 90s that's you know that's pretty uh, i'm not gonna say primitive but it's it was a lot less uh high tech than what we have today okay um you know, they would do one of these tests and then it would take days and days and days and sometimes weeks for the results to come back. But from what I remember, I could be wrong. Uh, it just seemed like there were so many problems. And then, uh, it, well, mom was a nurse, so she knew what the score was. And uh, her sister was a nurse as well. And they talked about all sorts of problems that it could be. And I remember my aunt being over and just the two of them just holding each other and crying because they couldn't figure it out. And uh, one day uh, my aunt said, I wonder, I wonder if it's MS. And you know, they both said, oh no, that's just way too, too way too terrible to imagine. Mm. And uh, there was a, they, they got a second opinion at one point from a, a neurological physician. I, guess. I don't know all the terms, sure. but uh, yeah, he, uh, and he, he diagnosed it. Yeah. Wow. Now, when your mom died, did that trigger any thoughts about your own death experience when she passed away? Well, I don't think you can lose somebody near you and not ask some questions of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, before mom passed, mom's been gone about 10 years now. Uh, so, you know, I was, I was like 34 years old. Um, it, I had, I had dealt with a lot of loss at that point and a 20 year diagnosis and MS even today is, 
it's still basically a sentence. Mm -hmm. So 20 years to prepare for that. Um, it didn't make dealing with the emotions any easier, but mm -hmm. it definitely made my understanding of what had happened pretty clear. You know, this wasn't, this wasn't a freak accident. This was 20 years of degradation. She spent her last five years in a hospital bed mm -hmm. in the house. Um, you know, and I take my wife and kids over and you know, they give grandma hugs. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, she she kept her spirits up until right till the end too. Um, the pastor, well, <laughs> I shouldn't say that name. We, we <laughs> the pastor that did his uh, there that did the uh, the service for us. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually started with the words that mom would always say when people walked into the house because it got to the point where the help you know everybody knew everybody and mm -hmm. the help would just come on in, and uh, he started that uh, that service with hello, hello, because that was the first thing you'd hear when she heard the door, she would call out, hello, hello. So oh. yeah, it was, uh, I've kind of sidestepped your question here, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was definitely, it, it definitely brought questions to my mind about my own mortality. But uh, nothing I hadn't asked myself before that. Okay. Yeah. Did, did did you ask these so your did you ask these questions of yourself as the six to seven year old when your mom's best friend died? Was oh, of course not. No. Okay. No, no. Um, I, I don't think that's even on the radar for somebody at that age. Right. Uh, at seven or eight, you're still immortal. <laughs> And uh, it only gets worse until you're about 25, 26. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you're never going to die. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, even on, on the submarine, um, you, you ask yourself those questions. You think about that type of thing, you know, what happens. Um, and you still, as a 21-year-old kid, you, you don't really imagine that it could ever happen. Mm -hmm. you do have to kind of face the reality of it in that in that environment but mm -hmm. uh, yeah you don't really you don't ask those questions uh, until well for me I, I can't say everybody <laughs> but for me uh, I asked those questions um, more after I got out and I was able to look back on that mm -hmm. and really analyze that experience that's when I started asking myself well you know what do I want the world to look, to look like when I'm not in it anymore? Mm. So what do I do now while I've got this time? Oh, I like and that. How do I make it better? I think that's the thing that drives a lot of people is uh, the desire to create that legacy. Mm. But do we create our own legacy, Nate? Well, we have to. Um, consciously circumstances, or Both. Um, circumstances dictate whether or not we're effective. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just because you want to leave a legacy doesn't mean you do. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes people who have no intention of leaving a legacy leave some of the most powerful. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, like, I'm sure Mother Teresa never actively sought acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She was just trying to make the world around her a little better. And in the process, helped millions and millions of people and is still, you know, 
considered this trailblazer, this pioneer, and, and she was. And she wasn't out there trying to leave a mark. She was just trying to do a little good in the world. Right. And then there's other people who, uh, you know, they work their butts off their whole life trying to get famous, trying to make a ton of money and, uh, you know, trying to leave their mark. And, the, you know, the thing they're trying to leave the mark on just keeps dodging them at every turn and mm -hmm. they end up, you know, without fanfare. Mm. So, yeah. Serving the ego, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what is your ideal experience look like, Nate? My ideal dev experience. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't have a preference. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's one of those things that uh, I've always found to be a little counterproductive to dwell on. Mm -hmm. So I don't. I don't give a lot of thought to it. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I have no control over it unless I do something like take my own life, which I'm not going to do. Mm -hmm. So it's completely out of my hands, top to bottom. Um, I, I would like it to be peaceful. Mm -hmm. I would like to get a chance to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. Not everybody does. Mm. Um, it's one of those things that thinking about this question is why I say I love you to people I love all the time. Mm. Because you never know. You never know when that could happen. I try to always express what I feel in that moment. And uh, if you remember to tell people what you think, then there will never, well, I can't say never, but you reduce the chances that there's doubt in their minds about how you felt after you're gone. Mm. So express it, tell people what you think and how you feel and, uh, you know, have conversations about what, what they think the world might look like after you're gone. Mm-hmm. Right. So in your own death experience, you would really value being able to say goodbye and having peace. And I so, kind of missed the question again, didn't I? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, that would be, that would be preferred. It would be to, to have a chance to say goodbye. Um, depending on how much time you get. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. Again, it's not something that I put a lot of thought into on a day-to-day -day basis. It's, uh, and I think if you've, uh, if you've moved through your life and uh, are happy with where you're at and you don't have a lot of regrets, I don't think it's something that should trouble you. I just wrote down a quote before we got started by Mark Twain, which I absolutely love Mark Twain. He yeah. said, the fear of death follows from the fear of life. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. I <laughs> it kind of well, 
<laughs> Sam's a little better with the pen than I am, but uh, yeah, I think I think he and I are on the same page on that. I'll end up looking up a quote before I get started on some of these conversations, and then serendipitously, it just for some reason. Well, I was thinking about you when I was thinking about a quote, and I was looking through. I just you know Google death quotes. Huh. It seems like something Nate would say. Okay. And it, sure enough, it really does. It fits. It <laughs> came fits. right out of my mouth. Right. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, back to our questions here. So, right. so in your ideal death experience, you value you value it to be peaceful to be able to say goodbye. And now you've taken your final breath and your body has actively died. At that moment, before your body is taken off, you know, taken away for whatever preparations for funerals, is there anything that you would want done with your body in that in those moments before that happens? Well, I think that is an appropriate time for uh, for the family to get to say goodbye is in that moment. If they haven't gotten to say goodbye before then, uh, you know, but uh, no, not really. Okay. It's, it's a shell, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's biomass and mm-hmm. that's, that's all it is. Uh, my actual uh, wishes for, for my disposal are, uh, are not a big funeral and burial, and I certainly don't want to be involved. Um, cremation and then scattering. So uh, I would say what I want in that moment is whatever is most convenient for the people who are going to have to deal with the dead body. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's irrelevant. For, for me, mm-hmm. it's more about the comfort of the people who've been left behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Again, not not real fascinating answer here. But it yeah, all belongs. Have, all of the all of these answers yeah. belong. It's great. It's great. I appreciate anything you have to offer. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. What do you mean by biomass? Well, that's all. It, we are biomass. Uh, how did my friend put it? He said, you are a, a, a ghost piloting a meat-covered skeleton made of stardust. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Meat. <laughs> meat-covered skeleton made of stardust. And th- that's what we are, um, mm. you know. The, the body is not who we are. Mm-hmm. The mind is who we are. And uh, whether you believe in a soul or a spirit or ghosts or whatever you believe in, um, we ourselves, you can lose an arm and you're still the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, if Futurama were true and they could keep heads alive in jars, we'd still be there because mm-hmm. we are the consciousness that's inside this, you know, this vessel. This biomass. So, this biomass. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So once uh, once I'm done with it, the biomass can get back to wherever it came from. Mm-hmm. Ashes to ashes. Sure. What do you believe happens after you die? What happens with your consciousness? I have been through so many discussions and hours and hours spent researching and thinking and Mm -hmm. I'm no closer to the truth than I was when I started. And that's, that's the amazing thing. Uh, I have no clue, none, zero idea. Uh, There are lots of ways to upset people by talking about this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm not going to I'm not going to lambast anybody's belief because the truth is no one knows. Um, It is so literally impossible to have any real idea about about what happens after you die that I love talking about it, but I have chosen not to decide what I think is right because it's, it's irrelevant. I like to hear what other people have to say about it. I like to hear what they think the answer is. And the beauty of it is, is as long as you're not real uptight about it, at the end of the conversation, you get to go, yeah, that might be the truth. Mm. And that's it. It might be. You don't know. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) there are none of us that can say without a doubt um, what happened. The latest one that I think I find the most interesting that, I, that I've read about is, um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the drug. Um, there is a chemical that your pituitary gland releases mm-hmm. upon death. It has the, the effect of slowing your perception of time. And apparently people who have ingested this chemical, describe it as like a, a after death experience. Okay. But to ingest the chemical takes minute amounts to, to achieve an effect. Um, the, uh, the pituitary gland upon death, apparently, and again, I didn't do any of this research, this is just what I read, but sure. apparently releases a flood of this stuff. Okay. So, some people have speculated that that chemical flood is what gives people the perception of eternity. Mm. Again, I have no personal experience with any of this. I have no idea if any of this is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all just you know something I read, and you can, you can find something that'll agree with you on the internet, no matter what you think. That's also a possibility. <laughs> You know, it's a it's another topic I'd really love to have on this show. I would really love to get a doctor on here with me to talk about the active process that our body goes through with dying. Like the body, as you talk about biomass, the body knows it is programmed to die. It knows how to do it. It knows the process to go through. It knows what to do first. And it's really quite fascinating. Um to think about it, for me it is, to think about the body, the brain, the nervous system, it all sends out 
all of the information that it needs to do for the body to die in a process. It's really, so I'd love to talk to a doctor about that. Tell me about this chemical and the pituitary gland. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait for that episode. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I got to find somebody. I got to find the right person. But if anybody's out there, anybody, (laughs) any doctors out there, come be on the show and talk about the death of the body. (laughs) Oh, um. I'll come back to this. Um, so for you, the belief in what happens after you die is really just a great mystery, I suppose. It is. It's the great mystery. It's right. the one most common human experience. It's mm-hmm. something every human does. Mm-hmm. All of us. Yes. It, yes. It, it ignores every difference between us. Mm-hmm. It happens to literally every single one of us. Mm-hmm. And that's how all of our stories end. Mm-hmm. Yes. All of them. Yes. Which to me, um, that's why I like to just bring it to the conversation and not uh, hide it away and slip it up underneath a rug and forget that it's there. It's uh, it's the way we can live a little bit better. Looking at it, bringing it up to the conversation. It's not morbid. It's real. It's true. um so nate do you have any regrets for anything you have not done if you were to die today would you be like man i really wish i would have done this or that i haven't done that you haven't done Hmm. not really okay um i mean there are you know everybody everybody says oh i want to climb everest yeah no no interest in climbing Everest. Um, <laughs> I'm not a daredevil. It's not who I am. Sure. Um, I'm pragmatic for the most part. Um, I'm offensive, which I kind of enjoy. And <laughs> I, I, I don't have, I don't have regrets. I haven't lived with, uh, with envy. I haven't lived with um, tentativeness. Okay. I have not been timid in living my life and I've done the things I want to do I'm very content Mm -hmm. not content to the point of uh, inaction Mm -hmm. but yeah the things that I want to do are optional they don't have to happen for me to be happy okay and yeah I in that moment I I assume my only regrets will be, gosh, I look, wish I'd looked both ways. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um. That's, that's going to be the regret, you know, the, the same regret that I have when, uh, when I slip with a tool and, and put a drill bit into my finger. <laughs> there, there's the regret that I'll have in that moment. Yeah. Is, well, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and in going along those lines is that you really do, you you said earlier in the interview, you really tell people, I love you. I do. You really try to live in that moment, in that space of, let's not, let's not waste any time here. Just yeah. say how you feel. It's not always understood right. by, by people that I love. Um, mm. I've been asked by people not to say it so much. 
and that kind of baffles me a little and it it, it hurts mm. but it's not you know it's not the worst thing <laughs> yeah it's not the worst thing you could say yeah because you do you said you do you do or you come off offensive sometimes <laughs> well i don't come off offensive when i'm saying i love you <laughs> oh, right right it's like it could be it could be worse <laughs> yeah oh okay sure yeah. do you have i i think i know the answer to this question already but do you have any regrets um for the most part, no. Okay. Are there things that, given a certain circumstance, I would do differently based on who I am today? Because we're not, we're not the same person we were a week ago. No. We're always changing. We're always evolving. That's the beauty of being human: is that we have this this wonderful ability to learn from our mistakes and change mm -hmm. things. Yes, there are definitely things that I know I did the wrong way okay there are things that i've said to people that i wish i could take back there are the you know there are physical decisions that i made that were the wrong decision um i've done things wrong i'm mm -hmm. human we're all human we all make mistakes we all screw things up mm -hmm. what i try not to do is dwell on those mistakes beyond understanding what I did and making sure that I don't do it again. So mm -hmm. in that regard, I don't have things that I, that I regret that I hurt myself over. Mm -hmm. I forgive myself for what I've done wrong. Now we're not talking about big crap here. I'm not talking about like, you know, I beat somebody up. It's not that I have always made good decisions regarding physical violence, regarding emotional violence. I don't do that to people. But it's it, if you do something like that, you have to you have to make amends with that person. Mm -hmm. But small decisions that I that I dislike what I've done, uh, I forgive myself for and I move forward. And if it if it is something that warrants apologizing to another person, you have to do that. You have to get their forgiveness first and then forgive yourself. You can keep on going. Mm -hmm. But it's always forward. That's that's the trick. Always forward. You have to always be moving forward. And if you stop, if you decide to dwell on something that you messed up in the past, then you, you get stuck there. Mm -hmm. You don't keep moving. So uh, you live in a growth mindset. I try to. I mean, again, I'm human, so I don't always pull it off. Okay. But yeah, that's true. That's where I try to be. That's the headspace I try to be in. Mm -hmm. Especially these days, because it's a lot easier now. A lot of my biggest mistakes, I hope, are behind me. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. The human experience really is. Um, that's something about this show that I hope comes across to. Um, is that this human experience is so vast and so different and so so amazingly beautiful from each perspective and um humanity is it's it's such a story 
<laughs> we are crazy broke. <laughs> we have some growth to do. We really oh, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Society is such a, a bizarre thing. It's mm-hmm. it's not really something that I, I don't know if any other animals even attempt anything like this. Mm-mm. Um, the beaver colony. <laughs> I don't even know. Don't know. I, I, not a biologist. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's so it's so odd, and we're we've been doing it for well, depends on which scholar you ask, I guess. Sure. But thousands, at least, of years, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're better or worse at it now than we were when we started. I don't know. It's a great, it's great to look back on it. History does become, for me, it becomes more interesting as I get older. That some ways do, in coming back to the conversation of death, that some ways of our, of how we've progressed as humans, some ways just have to die Mm -hmm. so that we can grow and bring about something new. Um, I, I don't know if we'll ever get to a spot where it's peaceful <laughs> yeah neither do I um, but it's really fascinating to watch it's really fascinating to look back and read about it and you know things die away for new things to come forward yeah death is necessary yeah mm-hmm. and it's such a narrow slice of time that we get to look at. Mm, mm-hmm. We can read about what happened, but it's it's not the same. Mm-hmm. The, the humans from previous time periods are, yes, they're the same. And no, they're not the same. Mm-hmm. It's that we're all a product of our environment. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, it's impossible to to really understand what happened when you read it in a history book. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know if that uh, if that narrow slice of time that we all have to deal with inhibits the growth, or maybe it helps it by making sure that like large sections of the population uh, that have a specific way of thinking it can die out because that section of the population dies out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're looking right now, um, the, uh, the generation, the generations themselves are, are this really, there's a lot of research that's proven that there's no such thing as a generation because humans are constantly breeding. Mm-hmm. So there's, they like to classify. That's, that's one thing that scientists love to do is classify things. So they mm-hmm. classify, a generation but the mm-hmm. baby boomer generation right now is reaching the age where they're starting to die at a more accelerated rate mm-hmm. so what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of the that again this this is more my opinion than any scientific fact i am not a researcher i read some articles that's about that's about it okay. but as i understand it um we're the the baby boomer generation, their ideas will start to dissipate. Mm -hmm. And what we'll have is the product of their ideas that have been passed on to to the future generations. Mm -hmm. And so 
they'll take that information. We will take that information. Our kids will take that information and we'll filter it through our own experiences. Mm. So that's how it changes. And, you know, a, a hundred year old human is a really old human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty quick the way that turns over when you really think about it. Yes. Yes, it is. 60 or 70. Um, that's, you know, that's an old human. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> it is. And we really are here for just a blink of an eye, really. Yeah. Our, our experience is so limited mm-hmm. that being able to, uh, it's amazing that any of us get done anything of note mm. in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. What a great conversation. I want to, I want to thank Nate for, for taking the time to have this vulnerable conversation with me. I'd like to thank his wife, Kate and his son for sharing him with me. Uh, while we have these conversations. Um, and I want to thank you, the people who view and support and share and like and comment on these conversations. Um, I'm honored to do this work. It's something that has presented itself to me in this life. And I learn so much from each and every conversation that I have the value of each person's perspective in this world as human. It's really a human, a human experience. And this job that I've, that I've created in, in having this show is, um, it's about exploring humanity, our own humanity. And part of our own humanity is our own death. And if anybody is ever interested in coming on the show and having this conversation with me, please contact me. You can leave a comment. You can find my email or find me on Facebook. I'm on Mortality and Tea on Facebook. I'd be honored to have anyone. Like I said, this is a show about trying to create a more rich and juicy life for each and every person. And part of that is really exploring our own humanity and part of our humanity is our death so again a very loving thank you to nate i love you nate (laughs) and i love you kate and charles um thank you thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time bye-bye Mortality and Tea with Amy.